Brett Wingeyer always dreamed of building things that could change the world. Those dreams led him to biomedical engineering and eventually to co-founding Halo Neuroscience, which is creating products that are breaking new ground in stimulating the brain to become more productive or high-performing. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Brett talks about all the science, research, and development that goes into creating wearable hardware. Plus, he details everything Halo has been working on and what he's most excited about for the future. This podcast is sponsored by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. Salesforce just introduced the Lightning Platform Mobile, the low-code mobile app development platform that empowers anyone to easily build, publish, and manage AI-powered mobile apps for employees and for customers. Find out more at salesforce.com slash build mobile apps. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I mean, Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And... We have on the line, Brett, how's it going? It's going fantastically, and I'm psyched to be here talking to you, Ian. I am as well. This is going to be a little bit of a different episode uh, than we than we normally have. You know, obviously, you are a CTO and now co-CEO, which is pretty exciting, um, and we'll get into that. But what you're building at Halo is something you know our listeners might not know a ton about. So before we get into all things Halo... Can you share a little bit how you got into technology? Right, right. So um, I, uh, I came out of academia, and this was uh, <laughs> quite a long time ago. But uh, um, you know, let me let me tell the slightly longer version of the story. And uh, as as a kid, I I wanted to build stuff, and I, I you know I knew that's that's what I wanted to do with my life. And um, I got into biomedical engineering and and brain science because it was really kind of the one of the last frontiers of you know, figuring out just the fundamental principles. How do we make products that help, that help brains work better and things like that? And I, I got through academia and got lucky enough to be able to, after I got my PhD in uh, electric fields in the brain, biomedical engineering, I found a role in medical devices and made brain implants for most of my career, along with my co-founder. We, uh, uh, we spent that time at a company called Neuropace, and it took 13 plus years and uh, a couple hundred million dollars. But in fall of 2013, we got FDA approval for a stimulator called the RNS stimulator. And it basically sits in your head and watches for a seizure about to start and then stimulates to try to stop it. Uh, you know, m- meanwhile, we, we had been watching a lot of the science grow and grow and grow around um, uh, ways to do this with wearable products, and th- and that's you know, th- th- that's what brought us to to start Halo. And tell me, what was the impetus for wanting to start Halo? I know you know, and what's I- I'll tease a little bit the fact that I love that this had some roots in our U.S. military. As someone who served in the army and was in uh, in the army for a long time, I uh, I fully appreciate what you were what you were trying to build. But share for the listeners what the impetus was for this. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, what, what we saw was we saw this um, amazing time in the science where the uh, neuroscientists all over the world were starting to realize that with electrical fields on the surface of your head, you could, you, you could really meaningfully change how the brain works and, and make it work better, you know, essentially increase neuroplasticity, which is your brain's ability to optimize itself, but 
all of this amazing science, in, and we're talking about back in uh, 2005, six, seven, um, through to 2013, all of this amazing science was being done with wires and sponges and, and beige boxes that sit on your desktop. So when, when you put your business hat on, what that leaves is a need for that to be baked into a product that, that people could actually use. And, and it left us with you know, this really fascinating challenge of building a market around that. You know, but that, that, was, that was the motivation is there was, there was great science and nobody had really put it into uh, anything like a consumer product yet. Hardware startups are notoriously difficult. They require a lot of money. There's all sorts of different things that are extremely difficult about this. From a technology standpoint, you know, you are someone who's a patent holder. How long did it take to build the tech side of Halo um, in terms of patents and all of that before you got something that was kind of commercially viable? Yeah, no, <clears throat> great question. So we, we absolutely started as a, a fairly pure R&D organization. And we started the company in fall of 2013. Uh, we spent that, that first year doing more and more research, uh, focusing on the science. We spent the, the next year of our existence, 2015, focusing on product design and then we spent the year after that focusing on 2016, focusing on um, bringing this to, to, to mass manufacture. But so much of the journey here has been, you know, again, taking something that, you know, where some of the underlying principles are fairly simple, but making it something that you can put in people's hands and will, will work wherever and whenever. And you know, talking about IP, I'm glad you asked because IP is very close to my heart. I'm a patent agent and whatnot. But a lot, of the, a lot of our most interesting IP came out of this adventure of figuring out what, what, what is really needed to make this something you can put in everybody's hands and it works. You know, things like um, ways to monitor the output, ways to monitor what the product is doing, to adapt it, to personalize it, things like that. Yeah, what were some of those things? I mean, what were what were some of those insights that you saw that like the market really needed from that adaptability or or ways that you know that kind of customer centricity? Um, what were the folks that you were talking to? Yeah, what were those things that they that they needed or didn't know they needed? Well, so you know, the, when when you're when you're making a wearable product, you know. You, talk about hardware startups. Well, the, the, the only thing harder than a hardware startup is a hardware startup that's, uh, that's making a product that interacts with the body and has to, has to fit well and, and has to look well. So a big part of that kind of customer-centric focus is this very concrete challenge of making something that, that can literally fit on everybody's head without yeah. kind of straps and buckles and things like that. And, and just for, for your listeners, our first product is a, it's a pair of headphones called Halo Sport that stimulates the part of your brain that's involved in, in muscle memory. So you get more out of your training. Well, that means it needs to, it needs to feel good, look good, and get, get electrodes, we call them primers, to exactly the right point on your head. So you know, anatomical variation is, is huge and you know, even, even for myself, full disclosure, as a bald guy, it probably took me far too long to realize this. You know, people, people don't just have hair. People have a lot of different <laughs> types of hair. And, you know, you, you know you, you've got to be able to, uh, to make great contact as well on, 
you know, on myself or somebody who has uh, you know, three-inch dreads. And, and that's a huge challenge. So a lot of our key IP it actually came out of that, um, thinking through, you know, how do you, how do you make soft primers, electrodes that, that can make contact through any hair type? That's fascinating. Isn't it one of those, um, the great idiosyncrasies of, of startup building that you think that you're going to go into business to, to work, uh, you know, on the, on the human brain and you ended up knowing more about hair, uh, as a bald guy than you ever thought you were going to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, hair types, uh, you, know, I, you know, I've had these moments sitting in, uh, sitting on the factory floor in, uh, in Dongguan, China, a factory making ear pads for headphones and thinking, I, I did not think this is what a PhD in neuroscience was going to lead me to. Right. I, that was, there's a great story about the guys who founded um, Yeti Coolers. And it was the same sort of thing where they were, they were selling boats and they were working on, on trying to build basically just better coolers for the boats that they were doing, um, like industrial grade. And they were in some, somewhere in Asia, I forget where it was, in this like plant in the middle of nowhere trying to figure out how to get like industrial grade, you know, industrial grade coolers. And they're like, how did we end up here? <laughs> like, how, how, like, how did I get into, this is just a, a crazy thing. But, but I, th and I think it's, I think it's a really interesting point because it goes back to this idea of the, of, you know, being customer centric. And if you have headphones that, you know, that rip your hair out, for example, or don't fit correctly to do the job they're going to do, then, then they don't have any chance, let alone some of the athletes or, uh, you know, operators that you've worked with, you know, in the San Francisco giants or the U S Navy or the U S ski team you know, people like that who need extremely high performance. Was there something that you saw in the like high performance community that was like an obvious fit? Uh, yeah, I guess we, we've learned a couple of really fascinating things. And, you know, it, you know, first of all, just huge, huge respect from Halo to um, the military personnel, special operators, elite athletes, you know, every, everybody who's kind of been on this journey with us, um, right, right, you know, right up to the weekend warriors like you and me. So a couple observations. One is if you take a high performing individual and you give them something with a, uh, with a dial on it that goes from zero to 10, they're, they're going to take that dial and they're going to try to make it go to 11 and they're going to push it on that up button as many times as it takes to try to get it up to 11. You know, so that, that was, you know, I share that just, you know, kind of as a, a funny thing we notice, you know, just invariably um, when your whole kind of career is, is a quest for high performance, there's just this great enthusiasm for technologies that, that help you, you get there better. But an, another thing we realized is one of the key advantages of a performance technology for amazing high performers it's not necessarily that it gets you to a different place in the end. It's that it lets you get to the, the same place, perhaps, with more time for recovery. If you're pushing your body to the limits, then the amount that you can train is, it's, you know, it's not so much limited by you know, the, the normal factors for the rest of us. It's limited by the fact that your body just has to recover. When we started working with, with some of the, the special ops personnel, it was really interesting to learn that uh, they, they didn't want to spend more time in the gym. They wanted to spend less time in the gym to get the same results so they could spend time on learning languages and all the things that makes them uh, uh, well-rounded professionals. Yeah, that makes sense. Was there kind of a, a moment in time when in those early folks where 
you felt like the technology was kind of working the way that you you wanted to work or where you got feedback from those folks that was particularly insightful? Yeah. So, you know, the I, I think we saw this partially in feedback and partially in um, looking at some prototypes that that people had just taken and, and beaten up. And it's you know, it was it was another good lesson in uh, what happens to technologies once they get out there in the wild. It's easy to make some prototypes, and and uh, you look at it and you're like, wow, there's only 50 of these in the world. This is this is this is my baby, and and then you you give it to somebody who is going to use it as part of their job, which is to reach maximal performance. And you know, it, it's for them, it's a tool. It's, it's not their baby. It's a tool, and um, they they beat it up in ways that. That you, that you never would have would have expected. You know, we um, TJ Carey of the Oakland Raiders. He was one of our. Oh yeah, one, yeah. I, yeah. T- I mean, I don't know TJ, but I'm a Raiders fan, so I, yeah, I love TJ. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fantastic athlete, fantastic story, and the guy just he works like crazy. So he used used Halo Sport in his uh, vertical leap training, added quite a few inches, but you know, he 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 brought back the first headset we gave him, and it was it was just demolished. And it, I mean, it was it was great to see, you know, how how he had used it, but also it was this moment for us of, we can't put metal here, you know, we it's just gonna it's gonna corrode away, you know, we we need to beef this up, we need to beef that up, you know, all right, we got to go back to the drawing board on a couple things because people are gonna beat these products up because because they use them and 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 they're they're tools. Yeah, that's really interesting, and someone like that, you know, I remember the Raiders. This is a couple of years ago now. They had talked, I was at the facility and I was talking to some of the athletes, John Condo, their snapper, and he was saying how for the first time they'd really embraced technology as like a team, as like an organization on how it could impact their day-to-day training. And they were using, they started to use just a bunch of different stuff. I think it was when Jack Del Rio became coach. For those of our listeners who are like, what the hell are you talking about? But basically the Raiders, uh, you know, brought in a new coach and they just, the team with previous regimes just hadn't used technology and they were just blown away. And you think, you know, this is a multi-billion dollar industry with performance and technology, you know, seemingly at the cutting edge in certain places, but for some places it wasn't. And to think about like, you know, someone like TJ taking this, you know, device, giving it a whirl and coming back and it's, and it's destroyed. I think it's just such, it's so emblematic of like the types of testing that needs to happen at, you know, the highest levels of performance. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe this is a tangent here, but, uh, you know, the, the, the story of the, of the Raiders adopting technology, you know, it's, it's an interesting kind of, kind of reminder of just how helpful it is to be to be really agile about, you know, you know, we should evaluate stuff analytically, but, you know, there's, uh, you know, I'm thinking of an example from my own experience here, you know, my, most of my um, technical background is in medical devices, which is in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a really conservative field with the, with the tool chains you use and, and how software gets written and things like that. And, and conservative for good reasons, because you're, you're building, building software that's going to live in a medical implant. But, you know, I, I came into this world of consumer products and I, I actually had to get educated by my team a little bit on the world is using GitHub now. You know, I, I, I came in and I was using a you know, subversion for version control because, um, you know, that's, I was using 
tool chains that um, you know, hadn't changed in a while because of coming from this world of medical devices. So you know, a, a lot about what we've been doing at Halo is it's, it's trying, to, trying to merge these worlds of some of the principles that we learned in medical devices with this very fast-paced, user-centric, customer-centric world of consumer products. And, and, and at the end of the day, I think it's, that, that's probably a win for both fields. I want to talk a little bit about like Halo as a company and your role as, as CTO and, and co-CEO. What does innovation look like within the team? How do you look at technology in terms of like employee productivity on like the inside of the organization versus kind of the product building neuroscience that you're doing for your engineering team? Right, right. So you asked about things like you know, productivity, um, because we try to do so many different things at Halo, and I, I'm not even going to say try, because we do so many things at Halo, there, there ends up being, we've got 30 employees, there ends up being about 25 different answers to that. You know, because we've got, so let me answer that in part by giving uh, you know, a little bit of background on, on how it breaks down. Uh, a lot of what we do is still research. We have six just fantastic scientists on board. Um, you know, they're, they're constantly doing research studies with this product and the underlying technology. And that group runs kind of like an academic group with a, you know, with a kind of principal investigator and research associates model. Uh, we have a, all of the, all the different flavors of engineering from mechanical to electrical um, to firmware, all the engineering side runs pretty darn lean as does everybody. And on, on the software side, you know, that, that's been a, it's been a, interesting part of the journey. We've got a, we've got a great vice president of software named Mike Shea. We've got a couple really great mobile developers, a great QA person. And, um, you know, it, again, there, there is a lot of, um, well, I'm going to use the word agility, you know, agile processes and these very quantitative ways of tracking what has to be done that, that was not in our DNA from the start because we founded the company coming out of medical devices, which has much more of kind of a old school waterfall way of thinking about requirements and whatnot. And fortunately, we had, we had a, we've got a great software team that's been thinking about this from the start, great, uh, great product thinkers on board. And we've, we've found a way to, to do a sprint cycle and do agile development in a way that also plays nice with the fact that we're, we're a hardware company and there's other, there's other, other parts of the puzzle where we have to be thinking six months or, or two years even in advance to make sure that we're making the right decisions. You know, obviously, manufacturing ops is a big part of what we're doing. And they're you know, talking about just keeping track of things. It's, it's, not so much, it's not so much keeping track of productivity, but um, one of the milestones that we reached lately is keeping track of all of the different parts that go into the stuff that we, we build. It uses this tool called product lifecycle management, the tools arena. There's a step in the evolution of any hardware company where you look at how you do that and, you're, and it's all fully baked and you're like, all right, all right we're, we're all grown up now. And, and we, we reached that uh, a few months ago and, and that's just been a fantastic help in keeping track of stuff, especially with our vendors. So you have you know, started companies in the past, you've been entrepreneurial in the past. How does this time as like CTO feel different than it might have in, in your previous roles? Well, so um, just to clarify, um, I wasn't a co-founder at Neuropace. I was employee number 35, which put me, put me pretty darn early in the process. And I, I was with them for, for, the, for the long haul, certainly. 
Yeah. So, so this is, this is my, my first rodeo, so to speak as a, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. As a, as a startup founder, it's, it's been an amazing journey. I mean, obviously, um, you know, I, I think one thing that, you know, one thing that I certainly wouldn't have realized was just how many, um, how many different things you have to make sure go right in order to, to build a company or build a product. And I, Salesforce I, I was just introduced Salesforce Blockchain, in the industry's first truly declarative blockchain platform integrated into your CRM. Learn more a, at salesforce.com slash make a difference in the world and do something that scales beyond yourself. But uh, certainly coming from science and then engineering and then uh, you know, kind of the regulatory and biostatistics fields and whatnot, none of that none of that really prepares you for looking at a looking at a business as a whole and understanding how to allocate your resources and, and, and where the money's flowing, frankly. And unfortunately, I had my, my co-founder was Neuropace's uh, director of business development. And, you know, we, we had worked together for a long, long time. We were actually climbing buddies for a long time, which if you, if you want to start a company with somebody, there's really no better way to do it than to, uh, to take somebody that you've seen up at the top of a rock face, cold and tired, and somebody dropped the headlamp. And, you know, you, you, at, at that point, you build up some trust and you know how they're going to react. So fortunately, um, you know, we, we kind of backstopped the, the stuff, the, the, the qualities that we needed in each other. And um, Halo came out of that. So it's, it's just been an amazing journey. I want to dive into some of the like R&D in the kind of early days, because I think, you know, so much of like startups, especially technology startups, and SaaS is around like immediately shipping to your customers as fast as possible, getting feedback, making sure you're building what people want, you know, trying to find that product market fit and all of that. But for what you were doing, it was so heavy R&D intensive at the beginning. You had to build something first. What were those kind of early days like, you know, developing the technology and starting to build the team around around that tech. Right, right. Yeah, so it's harder to do some of that testing, but it's it, something we really we realized early on is is it is very essential and in in some sense you've just got to you've got to find a way to figure out what needs to be de-risked and figure out ways to to use the tools that you have to, to de-risk that. If, so, so for us, we've got some of this stuff up in a, a hall of fame at our office, actually. Um, at the start of this conversation, I, I mentioned that a lot of the underlying science was done with wires and sponges and things like that. Well, we, we built our own beige box, which is certainly easier to build than headphones. And, and uh, we had sponges strapped onto people's heads. And we, um, we did about a, a thousand sessions with just volunteer participants trying to understand how to how to make this work robustly and then we went out to to a lot of the the athletes and uh, we did projects with the US national ski and snowboard team we did did a project at the NFL combine San Francisco Giants and all these guys you know, they had they had our little beige box on a waistband and then and then a, a cable up to their head with some headgear that over the months it started to look more and more like headphones and you know that that that's how we consolidated some of these earliest learnings here and then in parallel with that we were we were starting the industrial design process to to figure out what our headphones were going to look like and uh, and, and things like that but 
you know, really there, there, there's, you have to be very flexible about how you do it, but there's still no substitute for, uh, for figuring out what has to be de-risked, what has to be validated with your potential customers, and then, and then just go for it however you can. What was one of the hardest challenges as a CTO and working with the technology, especially in a field that's so complex, and then convincing you know, your, your buyers ultimately, making the complex simple without sounding kind of like the snake oil salesman? Right, right. So you know, there, there, there might be a couple parts to that, to that answer, but one of the hardest challenges really is largely creating a new market. The market for consumer neurotech is brand new in many ways. And it is, it is very easy to talk about it in a way that it's, it's put it this way. It's easy to talk about it in a way that, you know, kind of comes off as being fluffy or uh, is sensationalist. You know, we we're stimulating the brain, you know, that's, that's exciting for some people. There's some trepidation there. And it's also a field where, you know, historically it can be easy to, to wave your hands and talk about the brain and, um, you know, make, make a lot of noise about some kind of technology. So we've always felt the need to be very, very rigorous about how we talk about this technology, to be very clear about what it can and can't do. It moderately increases neuroplasticity. If you use it sitting on the couch, you're just going to get better at sitting on the couch. It's not magic. And then just to keep telling that story in as many authentic ways as we possibly can to, to our customers. Um, a, a lot of what we do is just building awareness of, of the brand, of the technology, of the underlying science, taking every chance to talk about what this is and what it's doing. And then you know, part of that is finding more and more ways to reach out to our customers, e- even after they've purchased the product. Uh, we want them to have a good experience with it. You know, so, we, so we follow up with, with workout guides and more information about the science. And uh, you know, we, I mean, we've had neuroscientists, uh, PhD neuroscientists, MDs working our customer support line even, you know, just, you know, just trying to make sure that, uh, that we're accurate, accurately getting the message out there. So right now, Halo is kind of like, as we mentioned, in the hands of elite athletes, in the hands of elite performers. Like you said, it's, uh, you know, if you're sitting on the couch, it'll help you get better at sitting on the couch. But what does, not necessarily Halo specifically, but as part of the broader ecosystem, like what does this industry look like in the future? Like what's the futurist view on cognitive applications? Yeah, that, that, that's that's one of my favorite questions um, because it's it's so exciting to answer. Uh, you know, the, the brain is everything, and we we went with movement first because it let us build headphones, and it's a product that everybody's familiar with. But if you look at the the underlying science, there's just amazing data in applications for things like attention and focus, cognition, learning, and then further down the road, you know, let me, let me be clear that this, this isn't halo sport and these are different brain targets, but things like depression and chronic pain and rehab and, and physical therapy and things like that. But to speak to the cognitive stuff, the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, the frontal part of your brain it's your brain's get your act together center. It deals with cognitive control and being able to focus on what you want to focus on, commit things to memory. And there, there's a, an amazing opportunity that's, that's now backed up by good science 
you know, showing that you, you, you can modulate this part of the brain and, and really help people focus more and learn things better. And one of the reasons that's exciting is, is because it kind of comes full circle. You know, we're, a lot of this conversation we've had is about, you know, how have we incorporated technology into what we do at Halo? You know, what are, what are some of the tools and thought processes? Well, a lot of the ways we incorporate technology into our workday or into something complicated like running a company it boils down to how do you make how do you make people more productive and you make people more productive by um, you know, giving them tools to to help them do what they need to do well you know in a way in the future this technologies that help your brain work better it's it's the ultimate productivity tool and it's the ultimate tool that helps people unlock their potential and get done what they need to get done so in, in in that way, it comes full circle, and it's it's just another another really fascinating thing about this whole field. All right, let's get into some lightning round questions. These questions are fast and easy, just like our good friends at the Lightning Platform from Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com/slash/build-mobile-apps to learn how to build apps faster and easier on the Lightning Platform. Fast and easy questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? Uh, Kindle. What is your favorite vacation spot? Uh, um, Hawaii. Favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? Uh, I've reread for about the fifth time a book by Mark Halperin called A Winter's Tale. It's the uh, my favorite book in the whole world. Go check it out. What is your favorite thing to cook or eat? Oh, it's, it's got to be barbecue. Um, give, me, give me some ribs, smoker, my backyard, my kids running around. That's, that's money. What is your best advice for a first-time CTO? While keeping the dream alive, be, be a cold, hard realist because stuff doesn't always turn out the way the way you expect it will, but if you're prepared for it, then you can make it okay. What question do you never get asked that I did not ask you today that you wish you were asked more often? <laughs> um, you know, put it this way. Um, I'm, I'm one guy here talking about a, a project that there's 30 people at Halo right now. Um, there's more that have uh, that have come in and out over the last few years, and in a conversation like this, I would love questions that let me talk about how awesome every single person on the team is. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the co-founder, but uh, it takes a team. There's oceans of conversation to be had on you. How do you how do you build that team? How do you um, just keep keep everybody functioning because at, at the end of the day, none of us can do this alone. And I, I want to give a shout out here to uh, just all the really fantastic people who work at Halo. Are you hiring? Any, uh, any open recs? We, 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 we've got it. We've got a couple. We've got a, uh, we've got a research lead and a, um, and a, uh, a director of product. Awesome. We'll link those, uh, those up in the show notes. Brett, this has been, this has been awesome. You know, next time, uh, next time I want to, we'll we'll have to dive deep in, into some of the the data and analytics and all that stuff that you're seeing because I think there's lots more that you know some of the things that you're working on that we would love to love to dive deep on. So, um, thanks for coming on the show. 
And I can't wait to talk about that. And Ian, this has been a huge pleasure. Thanks for having me. Salesforce just introduced Salesforce Blockchain, the industry's first truly declarative blockchain platform integrated into your CRM. Learn more at salesforce.com slash blockchain.